0: Tuesday, May 8th. This is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Million Dollar Portfolio, Charlie Travers, and from Motley Fool Inside Value. Back from Omaha, Mr. Joe Mager. Gentlemen. Howdy. Hey. Good to see you. Um, uh, we're going to talk investing in the video game industry. We've got an update on Google's driverless car but we're going to start in Europe. And you know what? We haven't talked Europe in a while. And maybe Europe realized that because uh, a lot happened over the weekend, as you may have seen in the headlines. There were elections over the weekend in France and Greece. And basically, guys, the two ruling parties that backed the EU bailout lost. Um, There was definitely an anti-austerity theme going on. Um, Joe, I'll just start with you. Now what? Like, where, where are we now? Because it seemed like We were kicking the can down the road for a long time, and it seemed like we finally had a deal in place. And now these elections have taken place. The people of France and Greece have spoken.
1: Oh, I think they've got a smart strategy. The best way to get out of having a massive deficit is not facing it and more more welfare (laughs) programs. So I I think the voters made a great choice there. Uh, Well played, France and Greece yeah my hope here is that the people they vote in in the office run into the same issues that our politicians do which is that it's one thing to campaign on something and it's another to govern and once you get in that position and you have to start making these tough choices you know they're not going to be able to go in and fulfill all the campaign promises they had and in this case those promises <clears throat> involve less austerity and i agree you don't want to go you know i'm pretty cold-blooded capitalist, but at the same time, you don't want to go hardcore into austerity and throw your economy completely off, and there's a chance of that happening, but at the same time, they do need to make some tough... Uh, very necessary cuts because they have completely gratuitous social welfare programs. Charlie, what do you think?
2: Right, and there's basically saying no to the austerity death spiral, particularly in Greece. Uh, this is a country that's had five straight years of recession with 20% unemployment, and with uh, people under 24 years old, unemployment's over 50%, right. and they're being told by the IMF and the European governments to rein in spending even more, and they've, they've had it. They can't deal with it anymore. Um, and the problem here is that the bail out that was agreed to in March uh, wasn't just a blank check. The payments come every three months and they are contingent upon uh, ongoing agreements to rein in fiscal spending, restructure the economy. Uh, And so you got to look at this very closely right now because, uh, you know, as things stand, this is not going to happen and they might not get that next uh,
1: slug of money. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely not, if you look at this as a referendum for an opinion on the state of the euro and whether these guys want to stay involved, it's definitely not a step in the right direction, at least in terms of if you're bullish or hopeful that the euro is going to be able to stay uh, cohesive for the long term. Right,
2: and in, in the reverse direction, the Germans and the IMF are going to hold their own referendum and say, no more money's coming to you, and then we'll see what happens.
1: It re- <laughs> reminds me of that Simpsons episode where Bart's like, I'm going to keep kicking, and Lisa's like, I'm going to keep punching, and they yeah. just keep doing it. So when you
0: look at the, the, the election results in Europe... Um, what if anything does that do to your investment approach? Does it does it factor in at all? Does it? I know we focus on individual companies here. Does does this um, basically ratchet up the risk factor? for companies that you're looking at, Charlie, that have, you know, maybe uh, a greater degree of business or greater exposure in Europe?
2: I've been trying to stay away from Europe for at least two years now for that reason, because I just figured this was going to blow up at some point, um, and I'd like to stay very cautious. You know, maybe some of the pharmaceutical companies that have more defensive style businesses where you can't stop buying their products. Well, the Europeans have stopped paying for
1: them, Uh, but that's a separate issue. But yeah, I'm very cautious. Joe? Yeah, so, I think there are some good values out in Western Europe. The only problem is I'm not sure what they are. <laughs> uh, instead, I'm looking at companies in the financial sector uh, that have been tagged with all the concerns around the economy there, and a lot of those are U.S.-based. One of them is Goldman Sachs. Uh, Goldman's obviously <laughs> hairy, and I know we've talked about that on the show, but you know, it's selling at a 12% discount to tangible book value. For context, over the last decade, it sold at 114% premium to tangible book. So, right now, I think investors who have a multi-year time horizon are getting, re- getting rewarded with a lot of return for the amount of risk they're taking on. And there's a good bit of risk. There's a lot of it. But if you're willing to take it on, <coughs> there's a lot of upside.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, Charlie, we saw uh, just coming into the studio uh, Fossil, which is the sort of luxury watchmaker. Shares of fossil just getting crushed today. Um, Their earnings, you know, were good. They beat expectations, Um, but the company came out and said, "Yeah, we're we're getting hit in Europe. Sales are slowing, and and the shares were down like thirty five percent." I mean, you could, I suppose, you could go in the opposite direction and just say, "Well, I just, you know, I want a, a company, a stock that has no exposure in Europe, but." Ch- chesapeake right. energy fits that yeah, bill I, I do.
2: <laughs> and it's interesting to see more of a discretionary luxury type purchase uh, finally crack in Europe I, I do follow some UK companies like Burberry group uh, and their results have been holding up very well even though a lot of the countries over there are in recession Or a business like coach for example mm-hmm. uh, the, the higher price items have done fairly well and if they're starting to crack that's that's an interesting change
0: Electronic Arts' latest earnings came in higher than analysts were expecting, but that good news was overshadowed by a big drop in the number of subscribers for the EA game Star Wars The Old Republic. Charlie, in February, Electronic Arts said, Yeah, well, this game has 1.7 million subscribers. Now it's down to 1.3. That's a. Is it just Whoops. is it yeah. just
2: a huge drop? Well, uh, video games are a little bit like socks and underwear. They don't last forever. So you know, so you buy a video game, <laughs> speak you, for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you you play it for a month or two and then you find something new. That's just how gaming works. It's why these companies have to have a broad portfolio of titles. Yep. Uh, because you know, you'll play them for 20, 40, 60 hours and then you move on to the brand new thing and that's I think that's what's happening here. Uh, management cited in the call, the churn was a lot of people taking trial offers and deciding not to stick around. So the number they are left with is actually people who are on an ongoing credit card payment system. Uh, but we'll see. Um,
0: I know another gaming company that you follow is Activision Blizzard. Yep. Is it? Um, if you're Activision Blizzard, obviously you're you're pleased to see that sort of drop off in a competitor. Um, but do do they automatically see an uptick? Are people who are dropping out of an EA game automatically going looking for something else? And if so. Does Activision Blizzard win there?
2: Well, they, they'll win because they have their own attractive titles coming out, particularly the launch of Diablo 3 this month, uh, which gamers have been waiting for for a very long time. Uh, but, you know, gamers don't shop by the company. They shop by the title. Yep. Uh, and so EA still has a broad suite of products that people actually want to buy.
0: Um, Two more things, just when it comes to gaming. Um, one of our colleagues had written uh, an article on Fool.com about Zynga um, and sort of the the, the price that Zynga uh, paid uh, to acquire another gaming company and how they're seeing a drop off in monthly active users uh, (MAU). Is that? If you're looking at gaming stocks, is, that is as bad
1: as it sounds. By the way, it, right? yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Um, is is that really the key metric for any gaming company, whether it's Zynga or you know Electronic Arts or Activision Blizzard? It's like, is is monthly active users really one of the key
2: metrics? It, it depends on the type of game. The uh, games like World of Warcraft, uh, which are on a monthly subscription model, yeah, that's a metric you want to track. Uh, but a lot of these companies are still selling the one-off games where you'll pay 50 or $60 and then maybe they'll tack on some extra content uh, later in the year where you, where you pay another 10 or 20 bucks for it. Uh, so they not, they're not entirely on a digital subscription model across the board. Are you a gamer at all? I mean,
0: I know Charlie is, uh, It's uh, c- clearly I think we should expect that when Diablo 3 comes out, Charlie's going to be mysterious. Um, I'm
2: feeling the flu coming. Yeah, exactly. Person. He'll
0: have the 24-hour flu, but w-
1: what about you? Charlie got me hooked on strategic board games a couple years ago, and I still play a lot of them. I play a lot on my iPad, actually. I'm on the train for like 45 minutes a day, and it's a great way to pass the time without rotting my brain. But no, I'm not really... You know, I did try Farmville, actually. There was that brief stint. Really? Yeah, I got addicted to Farmville for like two or three months. Well, this was when it first started getting hot, and I was just curious. And as an investor who wants to know what's going on, I was like, all right, I'm going to give it a try. And I got totally hooked and I really had a beautiful little farm, but I invested too much in trees early on. Huge mistake. Oh. What was the tipping point for you? What was the
0: moment where you said, you know what? I need to walk away from the farm that I've created because I'm clearly spending too much <laughs> time on it. I'll tell in-
1: you is when I got made fun of for playing it so much at the fool huddle around Christmas. And I was like, what? I'm quitting this game. So, so you're playing games during a company meeting? No, I wasn't <laughs> Oh, during That's how meeting. that came across. No. <laughs> oh, no. Like... Mark Brooks was doing his annual uh, twelve days of Christmas, so we have this guy, the Fool, who does a song where he weaves in fool stories into it, and, and one of the lines was Joe's playing Farmville, and I was like, "What? Wow,
0: <laughs> burn!" I'm done. When you're a subject of the uh, of the annual joke, then yeah, yeah, yeah. you definitely are. Yeah, um, uh, just to close out on gaming companies, uh, Charlie, we were talking before the taping. Uh, I mean you've you've got you've got a lot of companies in this space, um, Electronic Arts, Nintendo. Um, Activision Blizzard. Rovio, the company behind Angry Birds, is
2: apparently mulling a public offering. Uh, As as would I if I were in their (laughs) shoes. I would take the money and run. Couldn't sell that thing fast (laughs) enough. Um, is is, is, there,
0: um, is there one in particular you like? And, and where does Microsoft fit into all of this? Because Microsoft seems like the the company involved in gaming that never really gets lumped in with this category, but
2: the Xbox is huge. They're the best-selling console, and they have tens of million people paying them $60 a year for Xbox Live. Uh, they're really putting the hurt on Sony and Nintendo in the home console market, and uh, the next generation comes out next year, so it will should be interesting.
0: Okay. Uh, we talked recently, I think it was on uh, Motley Fool Money, our radio show, uh, a week or so ago, about Google testing a driverless car. Uh, good news for people who were cheering for the Google's driverless car, and I don't count myself among them. Nevada has granted Google what is believed to be the first license to drive a driverless car in the United States. The DMV in Nevada announced it on Monday. There have to be at least two people in the vehicle. One of them has to be in the driver's seat. Joe Mager, would you like to
1: take a victory You you were the one you were totally in favor of this. When you get down to it, the cold <laughs> facts are that they've test driven these cars for over 200,000 miles without incident. The only incident was when some human driver actually, you know, caused a, an issue. Uh, but yeah, I mean the cars have been running well, running safe, and it's good enough to test. I mean, we all shouldn't run out and hop in driverless cars just yet. But in a state like Nevada where you've got Relatively straight roads; they're flat. It's a good place to test. Uh, I think it's great. Charlie, what what do you think about this? Does this, this uh,
0: seems uh, to
2: be getting worse and worse? Uh, now you need two people in the car. How's I don't that understand
0: better? what the second person adds to the equation. Um, I think the second person can like have nine one one on speed dial once the first person you know <laughs> fails to react and. Uh, yeah. um, you can always drop us an email, radio at fool.com. We got a bunch of great email uh, in response to our conversation about the Google driverless car uh, from Chloe. What if a child runs out in front of the car? Will it stop? What if a ball rolls into the street? A human knows a child will follow. What if a road is torn up for construction? Will a robot know how to uh, know to slow down on gravel when the normal speed is 55? What if a deer is caught in the headlights? I don't know from experience, but I've heard you're supposed to speed up so it goes over the roof and then she adds parenthetically i believe i would instinctively try to stop anyway that's good i those
1: are all good points and they are good points but i'll counter by saying there's an illusion of control when it comes to driving where you think that because you are behind the wheel that you're somehow more secure but you know i could come back with you know any number of dumb mistakes that people make driving every day like how many people do you see texting while driving well the google car doesn't do that <laughs>
0: I'm just concerned about the deer, particularly if Chloe gets behind the wheel. Yeah, uh, From Kyle James in South Carolina, if cars can drive themselves uh, and Zipcar lets us order cars from our cell phone, then why even own a car anymore? Heck, you wouldn't even need to call a taxi. Just order a car to come pick you up and take you where you need to go. From Alex Markowski, would I get in a driverless car? Only if it was bright outside and bars weren't open, I trust myself to avoid a drunk driver more than a driverless car. Uh, and countering that from Troy Adamson in Vancouver, he writes, "I think here in Canada, they would be big sellers. We dream of nothing but being able to drive to the pub, drink beer while watching the hockey game, and then push the home button on our driverless cars. I gotta say, yeah. Troy makes a You're pretty... starting
1: to see the appeal. Aren't <laughs> Troy, <you>? Troy <laughs> makes
0: a pretty compelling point there. Charlie, you going with it? I'm sold. <laughs> we'll end on that note. Charlie Travers, Joe Mager. Guys, thanks for being here. Thanks. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Helm. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.